0: You're listening to the New Song Students podcast. I'm Jackson, and I'm a student pastor at New Song Church, located in Oklahoma City. We hope this message builds your faith and helps you to know God better in a greater way today. Enjoy the message. Okay, let's get into the word tonight. Are y'all ready to get into week two of In the Gray? Look, to your neighbors say I'm going in the gray. I'm going in the gray, and this this week, man, if this is your first week in the series, or if you're a first-timer, man, you came on a really juicy week, (laughs) because we are going deep tonight. So I need everybody to lean in with me. We're going to be starting off tonight, and not just one, but two passages of Scripture. Say, what? Yes. Yes, we're going there. So. Um, I need you to do whatever you need to do tonight to lean in with me because guess what the Holy Spirit is in this room doesn't matter if we're half at capacity than we normally are or not. doesn't matter if there's just one or two people in this room. The Holy Spirit is here. Amen. And the Holy Spirit is about to speak a word to you through me. and so I don't want you to miss it. If you've got a Bible with you or you're going to be taking notes, here's the two scriptures we're going to start off in. John 3:16. Ooh. Probably know that one, John three sixteen, and the second one is Luke fifteen. But if you're joining us for the first time tonight, or or you missed last week, uh, we are continuing in a series that we started called In the Gray. In the Gray, and this has been a series that I have been really, really excited to jump into. I've, I've known it was coming for a couple weeks now, and um, I was so I was so excited about it because I knew like we ain't playing around in this series. And we usually don't play around in any of the services that we do, but for real in this series, because our main objective throughout this month is we are going to take a deep dive into some of the most controversial, some of the hardest and most uncomfortable topics, themes, questions that people have, and we're confronting those things, because sometimes we don't like to go there because it makes us uncomfortable, or we don't like to go there because it might offend somebody, But what we're going to do throughout this series, and I hope you're ready to join in with me, is we're confronting those things. We're not going to run away from them. We're confronting them, but we're not just confronting them with like our opinions. Can I get an amen? No, no, no. We're going to the truth. We're going to God's word, which is truth. It's his heart. It's his mind. It's how he created things. And we're going to it and we're seeing what God's word has to say, how it's going to shed some light on these specific topics that we face in life that tend to be a little gray, tend to be a little confusing and uncomfortable. So if you weren't able to be here last week, that's okay. I wanna say welcome to you, welcome to week two. But if you did miss last week, I would strongly encourage you, go back and listen to the message. Even if you were here last week, I listened to it again because I need to hear that stuff. Go back and listen to it because what we talked about in last week's message is really going to be the foundation for the rest of the series. But just to give you a quick recap. Somebody say, recap. Recap. Just to give you a really quick recap on some things I think we need to remember from last week as we go into week two. The first thing is this. We looked at a scripture from the apostle Peter. Not Paul. Peter. There's more than one apostle. I don't know if you knew that. This guy's name is Peter. And he gives us a heads up as believers He gives us a warning, and here's what he tells us in the scripture. He says, at some point in your walk and in my walk with God, you will come against somebody or you will come in contact with somebody, whether it's one of your friends, maybe it's a teacher that goes to your school, maybe it's even one day when you go to college, it's a college professor. Peter warns us that at some point in your walk with God and in my walk with God, we will come in contact with people who believe differently or maybe even completely opposite of what you believe. And check this out. He warns us because he says, because of that, because of the fact that you believe something that's different than other people, you may be treated differently. And that's something important for us to know as believers, that in this world, we might come in contact with people who don't believe what we believe, and that's okay, but we need to be ready. Somebody say ready. Ready. We need to be prepared for that moment Not to give them all the answers and to feel like we're we're smarter than them. That's not the point of being ready. The point of being ready is for me. Somebody say, it's for me. It's for your faith. It's so that when you come in contact with somebody who believes something different than you, you're not swayed. You're not like, oh, I didn't know that even existed. No, you're ready and you're prepared. So that's our objective for this whole series is that we want to be ready. Somebody say, be ready. Be ready. That's the whole point, point. and when we start to do this, when we start to practice being ready by talking about these things that are uncomfortable, that are gray, that maybe are controversial in our world today, when you go there in your walk with God, there's a thing that the enemy will love to start creeping into your heart that we talked about last week, and it's called doubt. Somebody say doubt. doubt. And doubt is a real thing. And it's not bad if you've ever experienced doubt before. But what we talked about last week was that the enemy loves to use this little seed of doubt to get you to snowball effect into the opposite direction of where God is trying to take you. But what did we, what did we learn last week? God is a good father, right? God is really big and he's a good father and he loves you and guess what he can handle? He can handle your doubt. He can handle any question that you have about him or his word. And what we learned is that when we have doubts, we can actually do something that Adam and Eve failed to do in the garden. Instead of running away from God because of that doubt, what can we do? We can run to God. We can run straight to him and give him our questions, give him our doubts, and he will help us. Amen? Is this good stuff? Okay, so with that being said, with that on the forefront of our minds, I want us to go into tonight's topic. We're gonna read, like I said, two passages of scripture. First one is John three sixteen. It's famous. You know this one. It's a uh, fun fact. It's on the bottom of a soda cup at a certain restaurant. It is the best burger place in the world. It's not Whataburger, if you're wondering. It's not Mickey D's. And it's definitely not Burger King. Can somebody help me out? That's right, in and out because in and outs the best, amen? And all the haters, you can just, you can just listen to me because I got the mic and you don't. So, in and out that's right. But I'm gonna read the whole thing. We're not just gonna, we're not just gonna read verse 16. I wanna read all of it because there's some good stuff in here. Look at this. Y'all ready for this? Here's what it says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever, somebody say whoever, Whoever believes in him should not perish. If you've got your notes or your phone or your Bible, I want you to underline that, circle line that, circle that, circle line that, <laughs> circle that, write that down, should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. We're gonna keep going, okay? Whoever believes in him is not condemned, But whoever does not believe is condemned already. Let's keep going. Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, talking about Jesus. And people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light. Hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed but whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Now, that's a really famous verse. You've probably heard it a bajillion times, but it's still a good verse, right? That is a packed verse, packed passage. I wanna go to the next one. Luke 15, in this passage, Jesus is talking to a group of people. The Pharisees are present and the Pharisees are mad at Jesus, like always, they're always mad at Jesus about something. Jesus can't do anything right around them. And in this particular scenario, they're mad at Jesus because they think he spends too much time with people that they wouldn't hang out with. They're mad at Jesus because he's hanging out with sinners and people that they would look down upon and people that they would look the other way and walk across the other side of the street and talk about behind their back. And Jesus is hanging out with these people too much. And this is what Jesus says in response to this attitude from the Pharisees. Luke 15, look at this. Or what woman, having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the entire house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and her neighbors, saying, rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. This, is, this verse is so good right here. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Over one sinner who repents. All right, y'all ready for the topic tonight? Let's hear it. Okay, we're talking about an issue, a topic, a reality um, that is super heavy and super uncomfortable. What we are going to dive headfirst in it tonight because God is good. And because his word is good and he gives us clarity in this. We're talking about this question right here. Is hell real? Is hell real? (laughs) Somebody say, we're going there. We're going there. Um, But I want you to hang in with me tonight because I know this is a heavy topic But I believe that God wants to speak a word to you tonight. Before we get into it, though, let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Let's invite the Holy Spirit into this room to speak to us. So, Father God, I thank you so much for tonight. I thank you so much that even on spring break, even on a night when there's a lot less of us here, it doesn't even matter because we're here and we've invited you in and you've already moved through worship. And I believe right now, God, as we enter into week two of In the Gray, I pray that you will bring clarity that you will bring comfort, that you will speak to us tonight, that you will give us the, the words we need to hear on this topic and help us to navigate this topic. And I pray that you would just break any hardness of heart and soften us for your word, God, so we can hear you clearly tonight. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. Okay, so last week, the, uh, I wanna go back to last week real quick for a second, if you're cool with that. We talked on the idea Of truth. But we specifically talked about truth in in this phrase that we hear constantly in our culture today. Maybe you hear it through your friends, or you hear it through a celebrity, or that influencer that you follow on Instagram. And the phrase is this my truth. You remember that? Talked about my truth last week. And it's this idea that I, as a human being, have the ability to decide what is true. It's this belief that I have the ability because of how I feel on this certain day or my preferences or what makes me comfortable, I have the ability to choose what I think is true. And that means if I think it's true, it's real. And everything else that I don't think is true is not real. Now, we talked about this last week. There are two major things that are wrong with this kind of thinking. First thing is this, truth absolutely does exist. And remember, truth is not an answer necessarily Truth is not necessarily a scientific discovery or method, even though those things aren't bad. What is truth? Truth is a person. Truth is a person, and his name is Jesus. And guess what? You can know him. And his word is true. So that's the first thing that's wrong with that mentality. But the second thing that's wrong with it is when you live in this kind of idea of I can choose what's true, what do you start to walk in? You start to walk in this thing called selective Perception. Do you remember this? Yeah. Somebody say selective perception. Selective perception. Se- selective perception. And, and remember, when you start to walk in this kind of mentality, what starts to happen is you live your life with a lot of blind spots in your life because all you're seeing is what you wanna see and you're not seeing anything you don't wanna see. It's kind of like when you're driving a car. Anybody driving a car yet? Raise your hand if you're driving a car. If you're not, There's this thing when you're driving called your blind spot. Somebody say your blind spot. spot. And it literally is the name. It's a spot behind you in the car where you cannot see. It's impossible to see from the mirrors that you have. And so what do you have to do to see that spot? you got to like get uncomfortable and you've got to turn and you've got to look and see that blind spot before you try and make a turn or you're going to hit somebody, Right? There was one time, just real quick story. I used to be terrible at checking my blind spot because I was lazy. And this is when I had Dora the Explorer. Do you remember Dora? I was driving Dora and I used to never check my blind spot. It was a really bad habit. I would just be in a lane and I would be like, skirt. And I almost got into so many accidents because of it. In fact, one time I was driving back to my dorm in college. I went to a college called Christ for the Nations. And it was, if we're just being real, it was in the ghetto, y'all. And like, like deep in South Dallas, in the worst part of Dallas, Texas, and my parents lived in Frisco, and one weekend I'm driving back to my dorm, and it's late, it's like 11 o'clock at night, and I'm driving down the highway going really fast, and I've got a turn to get to this exit, and your boy didn't check his blind spot. He just went for that turn, and I didn't realize it, but there was a motorcyclist in my blind spot. Now, praise God, this guy was watching because he was able to swerve out of the way um, and he did not get hit, but I literally, I could have killed this guy and it freaked me out because once I realized there was a motorcyclist there, I I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I could have killed this guy and to make matters worse, this guy was really upset at me (laughs) because I almost hit him. So you know what he did? He drove in front of me and we're going down the highway and slowed down, almost touching my bumper and then he just turned and just stared at me. We're going down the highway, and he is just giving me the scariest death stare for like 30 seconds. And I was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Point is, point is, don't drive motorcycles, okay? Do not get them, I'm kidding, that's not the point, but for real, don't get a motorcycle. David, I love you, be safe out there. No, 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 what's the point? The point is living with blind spots, It might work for a while, but hear me. At some point, you will start to cause destruction. When you're living with blind spots, you're not willing to look at the truth. At some point, you're gonna hurt somebody. You're gonna hurt somebody. You're gonna create chaos. You're gonna cause destruction in life. And this is exactly why seeking truth, because it exists, matters. This is why Jesus says, what does he say? He says, when you seek the truth, it's the truth that's gonna set you free, amen? It's not you having an easy life that's gonna set you free. It's you knowing truth that's gonna set you free. So tonight, what I wanna do is, if you're comfortable with me, if you trust me, which I hope you do, I wanna shed some light on a blind spot that I think is starting to show up in the world today. And not only that, I think it's a blind spot that's starting to show up in believers in the church. And it's this question, is hell real? Is hell real. Does everybody go to heaven? Do you have to accept Jesus to go to heaven? Are there other ways to go to heaven? Do people who are quote unquote good people go to hell? And I want to talk about every single one of these questions. Are you cool with that? Okay. So going back to the whole idea of like my truth, even though that's a new, a new problem or, and it's really prevalent in our, in our age and our culture today, what I want you to know is it's actually not a new problem, (laughs) this idea of my truth, it's not a new problem because you see, it's our human nature. It happened in the garden and it's still happening today. It's our human nature to want to trust our ways over God's ways. It's our human nature to not wanna trust God and not wanna trust that he's good and that his plan is perfect and to trust our understanding instead. And um, this has been happening for a long time. In fact, it's interesting when you take a look at how people have perceived truth over time. Now, what I mean by that is as generations come and go and as parents raise kids and those kids become parents, as generations come and go, what we tend to do is we tend to look at the last generation and all the ways that they messed up and did bad things. And have you ever said this about your parents that did something and you were like, I'm never gonna do that. Have you ever thought that before? Like your parents do something that you don't like and you're like, I will never do that when I'm a parent. Can I, can I give you a heads up? You're probably gonna do it. <laughs> you're probably gonna end up doing it. But in the grand scheme of things, this is what happens in generations is one generation believes something or does something and then what tends to happen is instead of the next generation discovering what truth is, what tends to happen is that next generation swings to another extreme. Are you following me? So what we tend to do is, when we don't like what the last generation did, we don't just find truth, we get mad at them and we go to the exact opposite thing, which might have truth in it, but we make it an extreme. And so, uh, you know, talking about um, this uncomfortable topic of hell, I think this is one of those truths that we have swung to an opposite Extreme, And here's why. I think there's a lot of legitimate reasons and questions why. For one, if we're being honest, it's an uncomfortable topic. It's hard to imagine a place like this where you're separated from God for eternity. That's hard to comprehend. And so I think sometimes believers today or just people outside of the church, we think, I don't really want to think about that, so I'm just going to like out of sight, out of mind kind of mentality. Like I'm just not going to think about it, and I'll be Okay. And then I think there's others who they can't wrap their minds around this this issue. What happens when quote unquote good people go to hell because they didn't believe in Jesus? And then you might even hear somebody say this before. I don't know if you've ever heard this. I've heard this before. Somebody say, I just can't understand how a loving God could send somebody to hell for not believing in Jesus. That doesn't seem like love to me. Are you okay with us going there? I don't, I don't feel like that's a loving God. I don't think that's what a loving God would do, so I don't believe in this place called hell. Now, we're gonna get there in a second, okay? We're gonna, we're gonna talk about that, but before we do, what I want you to see is that our generation today, we struggle with this idea of God being anything but fluffy and soft and, and, just, like, and just loving, which God is love, but our generation has a problem seeing God as like judge, or God is having uh, to enact a punishment, right? We just think God is love, which he is. He 100% is love, but God's love is not the only characteristic of him that makes him good. Like God is good because he loves, but he's also good because he's a good judge. He's also good because he's holy, and you're not, and he's different, but he makes us holy, amen? Amen. So what what I want you to see is we've swung to an extreme Um, and the reason why I think this has actually happened is because the generation that came before us and the uh, the couple of generations that came before us, they did not have a problem with seeing God as judge. Like they didn't have, your grandparents, their great-grandparents, their grandparents, like I'm talking about people who lived in some really harsh times like World War II or the Holocaust. I promise you, People that lived in that time did not have a problem believing that God was a judge. You know why? Because they saw evil firsthand. They saw horrible things happen to them, like unexplainable evils happen in the world when they were living. It wasn't just history to them. They saw it. And I promise you, they didn't have a problem seeing God as a judge who would do something about that. God who is a good judge that would not let that evil go unpunished. Are you hearing me? Um, and, and, and this is what, and I'm just giving you a characteristic. This is not every single person in the older generation. And this is not every single person for us in our generation today. I'm just giving us a picture in the older generation. They struggled to see, or they, they saw God as judge, but you know what? They struggled to see him as, as a graceful God. I think the older generation struggled to see God as somebody who, if any person At any moment, no matter what they've done, no matter what evil they committed, if they gave their life to Jesus, if they believed in the blood of Jesus, Jesus would cleanse them right there. And I think they struggled with that. And this didn't make sense to people. And what it caused this older generation before us to do is they elevated God's truth and, and rules and legalism, which all of those things, there's truth to it. But they elevated truth and they lowered grace. But what I'm seeing in our generation today is we haven't found the middle ground of truth. We've swung to the opposite end. And here's what we've done. We've, we've made an idol of grace, but we've lowered God's word. Are you following me? We've made, a, we've made an idol of grace, but we've lowered the fact that God's word says a lot of things that are pretty clear. And here's what I want us to see. Look at this. John 1.14 says this, and the word became flesh, talking about Jesus, and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as the son from the father. Look at this. Full of grace and truth. Grace and truth. Jesus was not all grace. And Jesus was not all truth. Jesus was perfectly grace and truth. If you're taking notes, write this down. Truth is always in tension. Truth is always in tension. What do I mean by this? Well, I mean, we can't just pick one truth about God that we like, like, for instance, his love or his word, like truth and rules. We can't just take one of those things and elevate them above all of the other things of God because guess what? It's kind of like when you're setting up a tent. I've actually never been camping before and I would like to change that. So if anybody goes camping, let me know because I want to go with you. But... (laughs) But think about this for a second with me. When you've got a tent, I guess I'm talking about modern day tents. Do you have one single pole holding up that tent cover? No, no, no. What do you have? You have poles pulling in the opposite direction, and it's the tension that holds that tent up together. Here's what I want to say to you guys about God's kingdom. It's the same way. You can't have God's grace without God's truth pulling in the opposite direction. Do you hear me? You can't have God's love without God's justice and God's being a judge pulling in the opposite direction. We have to learn as believers to hold all of God's truth up. Does that make sense? We can't just pick and choose because truth is always intention, and everything works together to make this beautiful picture of who God is. Are you following me? So with all that being said, I wanna wanna get to this this topic right to the get-go. Look at this, is hell real? Well. Let's go to the Bible. Let's see what God's word has to say. I got some scriptures for you. I want you to hang in with me. I'm gonna read some from the Old Testament and the New Testament. Here's the first one, Daniel 12, two. It says, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Okay, Psalm 6, five. For in death, there is no remembrance of you. In Sheol, that's another word for hell or Hades. In Sheol, who will give you praise? Psalm 917, look at this. The wicked go down to the realm of the dead, all the nations that forget God. I've got one more for you. Are you hanging in with me? Yeah. Ezekiel 1820, look at this. The one who sins is, not the, one, is the one who dies. The child will not share the guilt of their parent, nor will the parent share the guilt of the child. The righteousness of the righteous will be credited to them, and the wickedness of the wicked will be charged against them. Okay, so time out. All of those passages were from the Old Testament. Now, maybe you're a person, and hopefully it's not anybody in this room, but I know there's a lot of believers today who are like, nah, I don't like the Old Testament. It's full of rules and it's hard to understand and it doesn't make sense to me. I'm under the new covenant now. I got Jesus. Jesus loves me. Okay, I'm cool with that. Let's see what Jesus has to say. Y'all ready? Yeah. John fourteen six. All of these scriptures I'm gonna to read to you, Jesus said. It's not just the New Testament. This is Jesus talking. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father. And I think another way we could say that is the Father in heaven, except through me. Yeah. No one comes to the Father except through me. Look at this, Matthew 7:13. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy, that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many, for the gate is narrow, and the way that leads to the, 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 the gate is narrow, and the way is hard, that leads to life. Yeah. And those who find it are few. Matthew 25, 41. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Whew, okay. This is Jesus talking, okay? This should wake us up a little bit. Right now at this point, Jesus is kind of making it clear. I think he believes in in this place. I think he knows of the existence of this place. Now this last passage I want to read to you is a story that Jesus told it's a little chunky. Y'all cool with getting chunky? Yeah. It's a little chunky. And some people actually believe this is a parable. So they don't think we should take this literally. I am on the end where I actually don't think that's true. And here's what a commentator says about it. He said, Jesus did not present this story as a parable. And in no other parable did Jesus actually name an individual as the poor man is named in this story. What we have, we have every reason to believe that Jesus gave us an actual case in history and one, one he knew from his eternal perspective. Okay, so with that in mind, let's read this story that Jesus said to the Pharisees. Look at this. There was a rich man who would dress in purple and fine linen, feasting lavishly every day, but a poor man named Lazarus, covered in sores, was laying at his gate. He longed to be filled with what fell from the rich man's table, but instead the dogs would come and lick his sores. Nasty. That's gross. Somebody say, that's gross. (laughs) One day the poor man died and was carried away by angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. Look at this. And being in torment in Hades, he looked up and saw Abraham a long way off with Lazarus at his side. Father Abraham, he called out, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this flame. Son, Abraham said, remember that during your life you received good things just as Lazarus received bad things but now he is comforted here while you are in agony. Besides all of this, a great chasm has been fixed between us and you. So that those who want to pass over from there to here, you cannot, neither can those from there cross over to us. So in this moment, this rich man, he is in hell. He's talking to Abraham and he's saying, hey, I want to cross over. I don't want to be here. And Abraham says, you can't, there's no way. And look at this, father, he said, then I beg you, send him to my father's house because I have five brothers to warn them so they won't also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and they have the prophets. They should listen to them. In other words, Abraham says, they have God's word. They should trust it. Look at this. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. But he told them, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded if someone rises from the dead. Whew. Okay, I told y'all, we're going there tonight. Is this okay? I think it's important for us too. Now, I want, us to, uh, I want to clear something up real quick. Jesus is not telling us in this story that rich people go to hell and that poor people go to heaven. Are you hearing me? Yeah. That is not the point of this story. I think we're supposed to assume in this story that Lazarus had put his faith in God. And this rich man did not put his faith in God, resulting in him not being in heaven. So look at this. When we read God's word, we can try and sugarcoat the truth as much as possible. But I think at the end of the day, it's impossible to avoid the fact that all throughout God's word, he talks about two things. He talks about warning us of this place where we can possibly be separated from him forever. But two, he does this thing, and this is the good news. He is constantly inviting us to a place where we are perfectly connected to him called heaven. Yes. Amen? And if you've, if you've got a problem with God's word, that's okay. We, we can go to Jesus, and we can see what, God, what Jesus has to say about that. And Jesus spoke about the reality of hell more than any other author in the Bible. Yes. Jesus. But we love Jesus, because he doesn't tell anybody thing. He doesn't say anything harsh. And he, he, he calls out hypocrisy in the church, but Jesus talks about hell more than any other person in the Bible. Are you hearing me? Yeah. So look at this. You know, we hear, we hear people say things like, well, I just can't believe in a God um, who would send people to hell. That doesn't seem loving to me. That doesn't seem like something that a loving God would do. Here's what I have a problem with that kind of statement. This is assuming that you know how to love better than God. It's assuming that you know and understand the complexities of, God, of love better than the all-knowing God who is love. Yeah. And I'm telling you, you don't know how to love better than God. You just don't. Because God is perfect and he knows how to love. In fact, when we, when we talk about loving people today, we equate love to being nice to people. <laughs> and and uh, sometimes we even equate not telling them the truth as being loving, right? There was a time in my life where I had this really ugly haircut. And um, it was around like 2014, where uh, there was this haircut that was famous called the samurai bun. And uh, it was when you had a shaved head, but really long hair on the top and a bun. And it was really bad. And nobody in my life that loved me told me to shave it. And I wish somebody did, right? Because this is how we equate love. We equate love as being nice and not offending anybody, but this is not love. And look at this, this is the good news of God's love. Write this down if you're taking notes. God tells us the truth because he loves. God tells us the truth because he loves. You know, when Jesus is telling this story to the Pharisees, he's not being harsh, he's not being mean. He is being absolutely loving in this moment. What I want you to see is that it would be unloving for the God of the universe who knows that this place exists, it would be unloving for a God like that to sugarcoat. Are you hearing me? It would be unloving for a God who knows this reality exists to not be real and to not tell us the truth. That would be unjust. But what does he do? He's clear. He's clear about the issue. He's clear about the problem. And he says, there's an answer. You can be saved from this. Look at this, John 3, 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in, this, in the name of the son of God. G- God loves, and because he loves, he tells the truth. Point number two is this, write this down. God gives you the choice because he loves you. God gives you the choice because he loves you. Really, at the end of the day, the reason why this is such a heavy topic for us to talk about is not because God is unclear about the topic. It's because he's very clear. No, the reason why it's gray is because we've been given the choice to choose something bad. We've been given the choice to choose the opposite, and that's what makes it gray. But what I want you to see is that God giving us the choice to choose is the most loving thing God could possibly do. Let's go back to the garden real quick. You know the story. God puts them in the tree, God puts them in the garden and everything's perfect. They have this perfect relationship with God. And then what did he do? He had to put that dang tree in the garden. Have you ever thought, God, why did you put that tree in the garden? Like, wouldn't everything be perfect still if you didn't put that dang tree in the garden? Well, the reality is yes. Everything still would be perfect. But you know what God wants more than perfection in you? He wants your love. More than God wanting you to be perfect, he wants you to choose. Somebody say choose. Choose to love him. And in order for you to be able to choose to love him, you have to have the choice. And I wanna invite the band to come up as we get ready to close. But look at this quote that I have. This is talking about Adam and Eve in the garden and having the choice to choose. Look at this. The presence of this tree, the presence of a choice for Adam was good because Adam, because for Adam to be a creature of free will, there had to be a choice, some opportunity to rebel against God. If there is never a command or never something forbidden, there can never be a choice. And God wants our love and obedience to him to be out of the love and obedience of of our choice. You see, God, He didn't put the tree in the garden to tempt them. He didn't put the tree in the garden to be mean and to tempt them to choose evil. He put the tree in the garden so that Adam and Eve could choose to trust him. Because what God wants more than you being perfect is you to choose to love him and to trust him. And it would be impossible for them to to choose that if there wasn't another option. It would be impossible. And God loves you. And he wasn't gonna force heaven on Adam and Eve. And you know what he's still not gonna force heaven on? People today. He gives us the choice. And this is not a gray topic because God is unclear. It's gray because people choose to not trust in God. That's what makes this a hard topic. It's not God's, God's fault. It's ours. It's ours. Because we walk around thinking that our way is actually better than God's. And this is the danger. This is really the danger that we see in the garden is pride. Because it was pride that caused Satan to, enter, to leave heaven and to go into hell. And the same reason why people don't enter into heaven today is because of pride. It's because people don't want to give up their Their ego. They don't wanna trust in the God of the universe who says what his word is and says what is true. And it's the pride that's gonna keep us out. Look at this. I love what Pastor Josh Romano said this weekend at church. I think it's a really powerful reminder for us today. He said, we were not made to experience this fallen world forever. As believers, earth is the closest thing that we'll experience to hell. But for unbelievers... Earth is the closest thing that will that they'll experience to heaven. And here's what that should do for us: that should make us, that should make our heart break for people who don't know God. Seriously, that should make our heart break because you know what breaks God's heart: people not entering into His kingdom. You know what breaks God's heart: people not trusting in the perfect sacrifice that Jesus made for us. Write this down if you're taking notes. God makes a way because He loves. New song students, what I want you to see tonight is Jesus did not simply die on the cross so that you could have a better day today. He didn't just die on the cross simply so that, like you could be an emotionally healthy person and get plugged into a church one day and serve every now and then when you've got time. All those things are good. But Jesus died. Listen to me, because there was no other option. Jesus died on the cross because there was no other way. There was no other way to enter into heaven. There was no other way to fix the problem of sin, to fix the problem of death in our heart. There was literally no other way. If there was, Jesus wouldn't have gone to the cross, but he didn't. He went to the cross because there was no other option. There was no other way to God. And what does the word tell us? The word tells us that the wages of sin is death. But that's not where it ends. It continues. It says, but the free gift, the free gift of God is eternal life. But how do you get it? In Christ. It's eternal life in Christ. And that, let me, let me tell you, New Song students, is offered to Anybody? And I'm telling you, eternity is not something you want to gamble. Even if there was a possibility that the existence of hell was not real, even if there was a possibility, I'm telling you, you would be foolish to not put your trust in a God who made a way for you. To gamble your eternity separated from him forever, that is not something worth gambling. That is not something worth gambling. Even if that was not true, which it is, but even if it wasn't, You trusting in Jesus and living a life for Jesus would still be worth it. It would still be worth it. But here's the reality we face. Sin is a problem, but Jesus loves you. and He made a way and he did the perfect sacrifice, the perfect thing and all you've gotta do is trust his way over your way. It's the same issue that we've seen all throughout history. People don't wanna trust God, but the second you do, the second you give him his life, give him your life, he will grant you everlasting life for the future and for right now. You can live in his kingdom today, New Song students. It's available to you. All you have to do is trust him. I wanna invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes.